great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, live inside, finally, a very snowy Highmark Stadium. Uh, This is the Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you, as always, by Tops Friendly Markets. And right now, you can win $1 million. Each week, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries for the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter. Ryan Talbot, the Bills, comeback fashion. Uh, Josh Allen puts the team on his back uh, late in this game and and throughout, really, uh, outside of a a little mid-game lull. The Bills win 32-29 against the Miami Dolphins team that was game they gave them all that they can handle in their house it wasn't the snow game that everybody was preparing for it came later in the game but the most important headline coming out of this one outside of the fact that a few people were dodging ice balls in this game we'll get into that <laughs> while the bills went 32 to uh, 29 they improved to 11-3 clinched their fifth playoff berth in the six years that Sean McDermott has been head coach and they now have a very very easy path to the AFC East title yeah, you just said it, Matt. They need to win one more game to uh, lock up the AFC East. They're in the driver's seat there. They want a big game, uh, obviously, to create that separation in the East between themselves and the Dolphins, clinch that playoff berth. A- and you're right. This was a very game Miami Dolphins team. This Dolphins team is legitimate. Tua answered a lot of questions about playing in the cold. I thought he had some absolute dimes in this game, some great throws to Tyree Kill, to Jalen Waddle. He had some throws uh, in the red zone that were just simply dropped by Hill and other players. I thought he had a really nice game for Miami. I I think that, uh, you know, I know we're going to mostly be a Bills talk here. I think if you go back and rewatch this game, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing at Mike McDaniel for some of the decisions he made in third and short situations where he went away from the run game where, uh, Raheem Mostert was just having a day against the Bills, and Selvin Ahmad was having a nice ju- uh, day too when he got his carries. But it seemed like they were trying to force the ball on some of these third down plays, and that gave the Bills some life. It gave them the ball back at times, and it really loomed large with the outcome of this game. Yeah, and we were talking a little bit about McDaniel going into this game, and you know, just the the overall vibe of him as a head coach. He's he's really He's energized the franchise. He's he's literally changed the course of Tua Tua's career. Obviously, Tyree Kill has had probably a bigger role in all of that. But you know, Tua's talked a lot about you know what he's meant to him. And you know, you go back to last week against the Chargers, and you know there was a lot of criticism about the fact that the the Dolphins didn't even try to run the ball against a team that wasn't good against the run. And then you go fast forward forward to this week, they're literally just running the ball down the Bills' throat now. I talked to Taron Johnson after the game, and I thought that he had some really good perspective on this. It's like, 
you have to tackle better. Like you don't want to see Raheem Mostert running 60 yards down the field like he did on that one play where there was a couple of just really bad angles, bad misses, missed tackles. You don't want any of that. But at the end of the day, with the way that the Miami Dolphins were playing is like you were you kind of were like, all right, we don't want Tyreek Hill beating us. We don't want Jalen Waddle beating us. So they both ended up beating them at some point in the game. <laughs> so it's a really tough offense to deal with. But maybe if you let them lean into the run game, that takes them out of what they want to be the most. So I almost feel like maybe just to play devil's advocate, McDaniel was sitting there on the other side saying like, all right, this isn't going to work against this team. Now watching Josh Allen lead three straight touchdown drives. We have to find our passing game. Tyreek Hill has beaten this team before. We're going to find a way to unlock it. And honestly, they probably do enough. If if the deep if their defense, Miami Dolphins defense is able to get some stops late in that game, we're talking probably about a, a different situation. And the the Dolphins going on the road and beating the uh, the Buffalo Bills. But let's bring this up here, Ryan. You look at the you know punt, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown to start the game for the Bills. Then five, uh, four straight punts, a fumble. So that's five possessions that don't end in points for the Bills. In the fourth quarter, after going out to that lead early in the game, they held the lead for most of the game. You know, they were down in the fourth quarter. They had to find something. Josh Allen leads the touchdown drive. And then obviously the six-minute game-winning field goal drive where they just choked the clock out. The defense for the Dolphins couldn't do anything. So there was a lot at play there. But Mike McDaniel is kind of like a weird dude in general. Like you you <laughs> sent it along to me, like the, the weird post-game or halftime interview that he did with uh, NFL network. Um, he's a very unique polarizing figure and it's probably going to get more polarizing as you go along. Yeah. And, and you know, Brooke, thanks for the super chat here. I don't, I think having anxiety with these games as part of being a bills fan, uh, they don't usually win these ones very comfortably. These division games, these rivalry games, games with the season on the line uh, in terms of clinching a playoff berth, getting close to clinching the AFC East. So you know, with the Dolphins themselves, I think you raise a good point. The Bills are playing the pass with their scheme, with their defense. Uh, they were just pretty much challenging the Dolphins to run at them. And, and the Dolphins, to their credit, ran it very well. Uh, but I just thought that some of those plays down near the goal line in the red zone, the Dolphins may have left some points on the table with their by getting away from giving the ball the most. I thought there were some real opportunities there. But, you know, McDaniel was confident in those play calls. Tua had some open receivers. They just couldn't haul in those passes. Every You can always go back and nitpick three, four, five different plays each game. I think that when you when Dolphins fans do look back, they'll say, why didn't we run the ball a few times in a few situations? But Buffalo's defense stepped up when they needed to late in the game. Once that snow started falling really late in the game, uh, that's when you saw – uh, the defense get a, a stop after a five-play drive, get the ball back to the Bills, and the Bills, like you said, were able to run the clock out. It was, uh, I think, a 14-play drive, took a little under six minutes, and ended in that uh, Tyler Bass field goal kick to win it all. So definitely some plays both teams would like to have back. Buffalo needs to go back to the drawing board on their run defense, but especially on their tackling. You mentioned there's one where Moser was just kind of running down the sidelines, and there were these lazy tackle attempts. Uh, and he just kept breaking them. So th the Bills, in terms of tackling, uh, it does feel like, especially as of late, th they're up there in terms of like these the worst tackling teams right now. Something that needs to get cleaned up, and I don't know if it is something that can get cleaned up, honestly. All right, I want to talk about Josh Allen's game. Uh, obviously, 
the Miami Dolphins came in here and, and really gave the Bills everything that they can handle. Funny enough, <laughs> Shaq Lawson just tweeted. Um, obviously, the storyline before we get to Josh Allen, Mike McDaniel wore that I wish it were colder shirt walking around the uh, 50 degree practice facility in Miami this week. And Shaq Lawson quote tweeted and said, that ass was cold in the fourth quarter, huh? Question mark. As only Shaq can. Funny, uh, 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 always just absolutely hilarious. This was a, a revenge game for him too. And he's like, yeah, you know, they paid me all that money and then they decided to trade me. He was pretty happy about the way that this thing played out and pretty happy that he didn't have the game plan as a member of the Dolphins for Josh Allen, because he's had to do that the last couple of years. And he said it was miserable. And, you know, what I think we could take away from this game is number one, the elbow is in a place where, you know, all the throws are on the table at this point. And I think it looked like the most effortless that he's looked throwing the football since the injury. So I think that piece of it is huge in this game. He ends up throwing it. 40 times in this game, 25 of 40, 62 and a half percent completion percentage, 304 yards, four passing touchdowns. Ryan's, I wrote it after the game. I think Josh Allen got himself right back into the MVP race. You're talking about an 11 and three football team. You know, uh, some of the other competitors, you know, Jalen Hurts, depending on what happens with the Philadelphia Eagles, might be tough to surpass him unless those stats kind of fall off a little bit. Patrick Mahomes probably still has a, a little bit of an edge out. But like when we get to the end of the season, when those voters are thinking about casting those final votes, people are going to remember Josh Allen going on the road to Kansas City earlier this season and beating Patrick Mahomes inside his own building. That's something I think might factor into this thing if Josh Allen starts piling up the stats late in the season. He's probably going to be able to do that against a Bears defense that hasn't been very good. And they, they lost some firepower early in the season, trading away Roquan Smith. And then, you know, finishing the season against the Patriots at home uh, in a game that might not even matter for the Patriots. The Bills probably be fighting for that number one seed still if they continue to win. But bringing it into this game specifically, uh, I thought that Cole Beasley had an impact on Josh Allen's success today. He didn't have a ton of snaps, but I thought that when he was out there, it forced the defense to figure things out. Um, We're going to get into Dawson Knox, but I just think this this was a game that, Bills fans, and I think that the Bills needed to see from Josh Allen after it's been kind of this steady pace of just, um, you know, average safe football here for the last couple of games. Yeah. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about Knox later, but I almost wonder if the presence of a legitimate threat in the slot like Cole Beasley uh, helped open things up for Dawson Knox because it's no coincidence that this is one of his most productive games of the season, in my opinion. You have Quinn Moore scoring touchdowns. A lot of guys stepped up in this game, but it, it was really good to see Cole Beasley back out there going to Josh Allen and that talk about being MVP. They can go right to this game and they can look at that drive, uh, the, the touchdown drive to tie things up where he ripped off a 40 plus yard run uh, where he took a shot going out of bounds. And, and it wasn't much of a shot, mind you. I do think there's a little acting involved. The touchdown pass to Dawson Knox on that drive. Uh, the stretch out where he pretty much, you know, went full Superman to get the ball right to the goal line. And then obviously that final drive where I think it was a set, they were in a second and 18 after a penalty and the bills were able to move the chains on that. Uh, he was able to find Stefan Diggs to move the chains. I think on that specific drive, uh, Isaiah McKenzie on a third down play, get the pass interference call on a deeper pass to Isaiah McKenzie. Allen did it all using his arms, using his legs, finished with the leading Obviously, as the leading passer and also as the team's leading rusher in this game, uh, putting the whole team on his back. So 
these are the type of games that you do remember when you're casting those votes late in the year. Obviously, there's some big games looming, uh, including one that we had a super chat on here that we'll discuss here in a few minutes. You know, Josh Allen also in this game, he they needed all of that. Like this was this was one of those kinds of performances where if he doesn't go, you know, Josh Allen crazy, superhero Josh, sugar high Josh, some of those runs were, you know, throwbacks for sure. The Bills don't win this game. And right. these are the kinds of games in December and January, you're just going to, you're just going to have to deal with the fact there was a couple of those, like you kind of like squint your eyes a little bit. If you're a Bills fan, when, you know, he's taking hits and he's, he's, I mean, there was a couple where he just got absolutely leveled. There was one at the end of a run. I think it might've been Javon Holland coming in and laying the wood. And it was, the, the, these are tough football games this time of year. He was part of a little bit of a melee uh, on the other side where it looked like uh, it was throwback to that Shaq Lawson fight from years ago uh, down on the sideline. I was talking to Sal Capaccio after the game and he said that he was right in the middle of it. He doesn't have any pads on or a helmet on. Like that could be real dangerous for him down there. Uh, good old Sal Capaccio from WGR 550. So just offensively, I thought that the Bills did a lot of good things in this game to get back on track. They're passing in. That was the key to the game going in. I said, they have to figure out how to move the ball consistently and then score in the red zone. And he was lethal in the red zone. Four for four today, Josh Allen, four passing touchdowns. It was it was everything that the doctor ordered. The one thing that was confusing to me, and I, I want to get into this a little bit and talk talk it through. Maybe you didn't have as big of a problem with it, and, and, and we'll go from there. When the Bills elevated Cole Beasley for this game, I thought, okay, Isaiah McKenzie's active. Beasley's active. Khalil Shakir is also active. But I thought that the lion's share of the snaps were going to go to Beasley and McKenzie. And lo and behold, we get into this game and I kept, you know, had my binoculars out and I kept talking about it throughout the game. Khalil Shakir's in. Khalil Shakir's in. Khalil Shakir's in. I think we're going to look at these snap, the snap chart, chart tomorrow and we're going to see like 20-ish snaps for Khalil Shakir. And I'm just, I don't understand this team's offensively really too, they do it on defense at times with the cornerback position. We can talk about that in a little while, but they just seem adamant on like rotating players in. It's what they've done at the running back position. They did it tonight. We've seen, we saw plenty of Devin Singletary, James Cook pushed in there a little bit. And then Naheem Hines as well, getting that touchdown on the wheel route. But I just thought that this was the perfect game to just let McKenzie and and Beasley work. But they're kind of pushing Shakir. And I get it. You know, fans have been pushing for Shakir to get more playing time for weeks and weeks and months and months. But I just think to me that that old saying, when you have multiple players, you don't have one that you can rely on and you can and you could trust. It just feels like it's too much too much out there at, at, at any given time. And it doesn't allow any of those other players to get into a rhythm. Yeah, and that's a fair argument. I'm gonna I'll play devil's advocate. I'll say Cole Beasley's first game back with Buffalo, and I know he played two games in Tampa Bay this season. I know he's in uh, good enough shape to be elevated and to play in this game. But the, the Bills probably wanted to ease him into the lineup for his first game back. So you have to take some of those you take some reps away from him in, in that regard. Isaiah McKenzie really do like what he can bring. He had some big plays for this team. Almost had a a, a big sideline catch, but Shakir might have been someone that was brought in on those blocking downs where you wanted someone that could come in and, and give you a little bit of a boost in the blocking where he would probably be better than Isaiah McKenzie in that regard. So it, it's frustrating because, like you said, when when you're rotating these guys in, it, it hurts in terms of letting them get into a rhythm, utilizing them in the passing game. But I, I think they're going to really ramp up 
Uh, Cole Beasley's usage here over the last few weeks, make sure that he's ready come playoff time. Uh, I, I think that Isaiah McKenzie's skill set will uh, benefit him, but it might have come down to the blocking. It might have come down with the fact that they like what he, what Shakir can do in that regard uh, for the team. If it continues to be a, an odd snap count like this going forward, then I think, though, it's something that, one, needs to be discussed with this coaching staff. Why are you uh, taking some of these playmakers off the field, such as a Cole Beasley that you know fits into this offense, Isaiah McKenzie, who can make the big plays, and are, are you try, just trying to almost like force feed that rookie onto the field? And I don't even have a problem with it if if you believe in in Shakir and you you, know, you draft him in the fifth round and you want to find a role for him, but then you know why go out and sign Beasley and bring him into the mix and, and kind of cloud the whole picture offensively. But to your point, I do like that. His first game back, and even he said, just getting up to speed after the game when I talked to him, at, uh, we we talked to him in his locker, he basically said like he's he's still learning the new lingo. Things have changed a little bit. You know, Ken Dorsey's now the offensive coordinator. It's, it's a different feel for the offense. So th- they'll figure that out as they go, and I'm sure Beasley will get more comfortable as the season goes along. I just think that some, and listen, there's a lot to like about what the Bills did offensively in this game. You look at the stats, 446 total yards, and it's been a while, right? I mean, they've been averaging 212 through the air over the last couple of months, and they come out here uh, against the Dolphins and have 296 passing yards, 150 on the ground, uh, and and they were able to really shut the door. Let's get into that that final drive because the Bills get a stop force a couple of really nice plays. I think it was a Greg Russo. I tweeted out the sequence. Greg Russo had a uh, tackle for a loss on a run play. Then Kyer Elam battled Tyreek Hill. He almost had an interception. It was yeah. ripped it away from him, but it ended up being a two-yard loss on that play to create the third and long. And then it was Trey Roy with a really, really good sticky coverage on third down. Uh, Tua isn't able to complete the pass. The Bills get the ball back. And they get the ball back with just under six minutes to play. The game tied at 29. And this is a team that, you know, we were talking about three months ago about their inability to win close games. They entered the season 0 for 9 in their last um, one score games. And so this has been a storyline throughout the course of the season. They've won some of these games now. And this was another example of great coaching, great execution down the stretch from the way they executed this drive. They were in no rush. They they ran the ball a few times. They got the ball in the hands of their veteran running back, Devin Singletary. I know some fans I noticed wanted to see maybe James Cook on that final drive, but I wasn't expecting to see him. You're not going to no. see him. I don't think Sean McDermott's foolish enough to put a rookie in that spot late in the game with the element starting uh, a, a Florida boy who's just getting used to playing in these these elements in James Cook. Devin Singletary has done it now for four seasons. They trusted him and they he rewarded Sean McDermott with that really critical play down by the goal line, getting down right before that last play. They kick a field goal. They win the game. Yeah, listen, I, I can't say enough good things about Devin Singletary because I, I did not think that the Bills did a good job of utilizing the run game for the most part today. I thought a lot of Singletary's work came on that final drive. But when his number was called, he was ready. There, uh, The elements were really playing a factor late in the game with the snow falling. Obviously, with the snow, it can be a wet football. Uh, there was one run specifically. It may have been his first run of that drive, Manny. I think it was like a six, uh, six seven-yard run. But as soon as he got through that first lane, he immediately put both hands on the ball, tucked that thing away. No one was going to be able to rip that out of his hands. It was just that veteran-savvy move of, okay, I might not stiff arm a guy. I might not be able to pick up an additional yard or two that I would try to in another situation, 
but no one's going to knock this ball out of my hands. I'm going to put us in the situation and move the chains. Uh, he had a, a really nice run earlier in the game on a third and one where he, he needed that extra after taking on the initial hit, he, he needed that little extra effort to get move the chain. So every time he had the ball tonight, I thought good things for the most part happened for this team. But obviously, Josh Allen was the MVP of this game. You, you could pinpoint those Singletary being right up there as one of the most important players based on the work he put in on that final drive to help set up that game-winning chip shot field goal late when it mattered most. I want to flip to the defense because there's a lot to talk about it. But let, let's, let's stay on the offense a little bit longer because the the key pieces to, to Josh Allen's day today were, I think, you know, some really timely catches from Stefan Diggs. But the what what really looks like on the surface right now a breakout performance from Dawson Knox, and this was something that I feel like it's been building. And I and I have this um, this regular DM conversation on Twitter. I don't know if he wants me to um, shout him out specifically, uh, but his name is Mike. And uh, he, he usually sends me like four or five DMs per game. He's a longtime supporter of our work and the, and the show and everything like that. You know, we've been talking a lot about Dawson Knox this season and like, you know, waiting for him to kind of break out. And, and I said to him tonight, I'm like, the thing for Knox, it seems like every time he starts to build a little bit of momentum, a catch here, a catch there, a big play here, a big play there, a touchdown here, touchdown in two straight games earlier this season, something happens to kind of stunt it, whether it be Josh Allen and him just not having a connection for uh, a game or two, uh, whether it be a couple of drops. And we saw it mid game today. He makes a couple of big plays that 45 yard receptions. That was double the the next closest uh, reception that he had high on the year. That was at like 24 yards. Um, so that's a big play. He gets going right. A few minutes later, drop a few minutes later, drop. And now you're sitting there in a situation where it's like, all right, is Dawson Knox this this trending game here? Is it about to hit the the, the down part of the hill? And he fi- finds a way to get it together, and he makes some big plays down the stretch, Ryan. Like, if not for Dawson Knox, you know, catching that uh, game-tying touchdown pass, who knows what happens in the red zone there. If they end up going three for four on another Dawson Knox drop pass there, that's a really bad spot to be in. So I think this could be – Perfect time for Dawson Knox, who I felt like really turned it on late last year as well. Could be a good omen as they kind of look towards the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned he did have two frustrating drops in the game that a lot of fans were upset with, and rightfully so. Uh, But he also made the big play for 40-some yards. He had some short passes that he was able to turn up field and get in a few additional yards here and there. And then obviously there's that touchdown late in the game that helped the Bills tie it in the fourth quarter. So a lot of good things finished with as the team's leading receiver. I think it was a 698-1 stat line. Uh, it's what you wanted to see from someone you just invested a good amount of money in in the offseason. He hasn't necessarily lived up to that contract for a variety of reasons. I don't think tight end has been targeted uh, as much. I think there's been a lot of reasons why he's been able to get uh, taken out of certain games with the lack of weapons at times due to injuries. So if this is him starting to hit his stride, if with the Bills passing him, getting healthy, getting more weapons, like guys like Cole Beasley come playoff time, a guy like John Brown, because you have unlimited elevations in the playoffs and the postseason when it comes to players like that. Any other weapons that the Bills have, it will open things up for a guy like Dawson Knox, and, and that's a great thing, obviously. We got a few days left, Ryan. It's What do we got? Eight days until Christmas and tis the season to save on groceries and all of your favorite holiday gifts by shopping at Tops Friendly Markets. Shop at Tops and save $10 at all your other 
favorite stores and restaurants. With over 25 gift cards to choose from, there's something for everyone on your list. And don't forget to treat yourself to some extra savings too. Save on great gifts like toys and games from GameStop or Toys R Us at Macy's. Great family dining at Applebee's or Buffalo Wild Wings. The new big screen TV you want from Best Buy and so much more just by shopping at Tops. Be Santa's biggest little helper with Christmas bonus from Tops and for a complete list of available gift card savings, visit topsmarkets.com slash Christmas bonus. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. All right, let's talk about a little bit of... Uh, Looking ahead really quick before we continue to talk about this game on the defensive side of the ball, big development on third quarter, Mitch Morse history with concussions leaves the game with another one today. Twofold here. Ryan Bates is dealing with an ankle injury. We don't know the severity of that. He was ruled out on Friday. He didn't play in this game. I thought before Mitch Morse went out, this was the best game that Greg Van Roten has played in a Bills uniform. I thought that he was really solid in pass protection. Now, when Morse went out and Van Roten was forced to move over to center, then I started to kind of notice him a little bit more. And it wasn't always a, for great reasons. Uh, I think that, you know, he might have been uh, involved in the play where uh, Josh Allen was sacked uh, and he fumbled it, which, you know, you look in a close game, look at the one turnover in this game could have been a, a game changing yeah. play. David Questenberry comes in. He's forced to play on the interior at right guard. I don't think that he's been the guy that the Bills were hoping for when they signed him. And, you know, listen, there's a lot that goes into changing teams and changing roles. He started every game last year, and some guys might just not be built to come off the bench, whatever the reason may be. With Bates's and Morse's status uncertain, how big of an issue is this going forward? You know, I know it's the Bears next week, but this is something that I think is 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 a concern to start thinking about. Yeah, no, it's a huge concern. And, and first and foremost, with Mitch Morse and the history of head injuries and concussions, that's scary. Uh, anytime that he exits the game and, it, and it's something with the head, you are immediately concerned for his well-being first and foremost. Uh, that's obviously the most important thing. But he is such a, a key cog to this offensive line that when he is out, uh, the offensive line play suffers. And you mentioned it, Gregor Van Roten moves over. You start noticing him a little bit more. Uh, Roger Saffold lets up a sack. He, sack. He's called for holding on that same play. If I remember remember correctly, you're already without Ryan Bates. Uh, it, it's an issue, and we've talked about the up and down season of Spencer Brown as well, which didn't really notice him much tonight. Um, Brown, that is. So I, I would put that as a win in, in the in the book for Spencer Brown. But you need quality offensive line play, and I don't know if the Bills are going to be able, be able to get that out of the players that they have on this team. Uh, that they have in reserve. There's a lot of fans clamoring for uh, Ike Butker to come back here sooner rather than later, obviously coming back from an ACL injury. We don't know the actual timeline on that. I know they have to open his window here in the, the near future, but they might not have an answer right now this season. That could end up being costly for this team. Uh, and even going back, what, a week, two weeks ago, Matt, I said if I was the Bills and I was doing a draft, Offensive linemen would be two of my top three picks. This does nothing to change that philosophy. I don't care if it's a guard, a center, a tackle. Protecting Josh Allen needs to be their number one priority going forward, and they need to really address that via the draft because uh, injuries take their toll on these teams. Uh, depth takes a toll, and while Brandon Bean does a good job of bringing in competition every offseason, 
Uh, for depth purposes, there just doesn't seem to be enough talent on offensive line this year. Let's yeah, put Chavius White. Oh, I just really ahead, did want to put that up real quick. It wasn't Achilles, not an ACL. I misspoke, so I just wanted to put up uh, Joseph's comment there. That is correct. All right. Yeah, it's it's tough to get to get back from that. And I was actually going to tie that into the to to the Bucker watch because I know a lot of people are really. All right, do we do we do we take Danderson's super super chat here before we get onto the defense? I, I think you you have to. What Christmas reindeer do you think each other would be, and which Bills player would be Rudolph? Wow, Josh Allen's Rudolph. Um, He's leading the way. I okay, mean, if- that's great. That's great. Yeah, Rudolph is great. Sean McDermott can maybe be Rudolph too. Like, would that would that count or? Or do yeah. we not think that he's really leading the way? I mean, he said Bill's player, so I didn't think about any coaches, but I'm, I'm not opposed to that plan at all. Right. And I feel like Sa- he would, like McDermott would be more like Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And then, like, yeah, Allen would be Rudolph. And then, like, do we know any other features? Like, I feel like the next one would be like Comet. And so, like, maybe Comet could be like Tremaine Edmonds because, like, I feel like he's the Josh Allen of the other side of the ball. Like I thought one play that in particular, it wasn't anything crazy. And I I don't feel like the linebackers played great tonight. I think that no. Matt Milano is he's he's that knee injury, I think, is affecting him. Uh, affected him a little bit more against a team with as much speed as the Dolphins had tonight. But I thought Tremaine Edmonds played had, he takes so many things away from what you want to try to do. And I think that that happened in this game. But yeah, I think I I think that's a that's a fine usage of the Josh Allen as Rudolph if he was Half a robot with rockets for hooves. Very Fair good. enough. Thank you, Trace. Trey White um, dancer. Ooh, he likes to he likes to dance. All you know. There you go. All right, Milano is blitzing. Okay. Since Milano like is out, I'm blitzing. Yeah, I like that. There you go. Oh, Let's but see. it was also asking us like what we thought we were. Matt is dancer oh, and Ryan is prancer. I love stick man that you call him Ryan prancer because I do think that sometimes with that goatee, you prance around the, the, the podcast right. screen right. with your just, takes and with mm-hmm. your, um, mm-hmm. you know, just machismo. Is that the right word that I'm looking for? I, feel I like, like that. Yeah. Some- yeah. I'm just glad you didn't say that I was a vixen. Well, Joel might say that you were a vixen, but (laughs) anyway, moving right along. Let's go. Let's get to Trey White here because today was a big game for him. Yeah, it was an up and down game for him. And, you know, listening to him talk post game at the podium. And this is the first time we've heard from him since he's actually come back and started playing games again. He's still kind of going through it. And he said one of the things tonight shedding light on the fact that when you get back to the football part, you have to almost downtick the the rehab part and it's still something that you, you really have to pay attention to when you're coming back from a torn ACL you're getting your body back to normal uh in a lot of ways especially as you're transitioning to the football part he's probably doing a lot of things that he wasn't really able to do in, in rehab when you're in practice and you're going through those live reps I mean it's it's a lot happening in a short amount of time and and he was forthcoming and honest he's not to where he wants to be he got beat Badly on a couple of plays tonight. I mean, the one touchdown uh, pass, I can't remember if it was Waddle. I think it was Waddle. Or maybe it was Hill and he it got beat Hills. by Waddle. Okay. Hill's touchdown pass and then Waddle had a, a deep pass down the right sideline yes. uh, as well. So a couple of plays. But the bright side, almost had an interception. If he had made that move just an instant quicker, I think that that's an interception where he comes back uh, on a ball that Tua kind of missed on. One of the few. And then he had three pass breakups in this game, Ryan. Yeah. And I think that 
it's like it's brick by brick. Those plays add up in the confidence meter of Tredavious White. I thought all things considered with the outcome and, and, and the experience that all the different plays that in situations White got to be in today, big day for Trey. Huge day. Uh, three pass breakups, like you said. One, he almost made a one-handed interception on a throw that was behind Jalen Waddell. Uh, he had a sideline play where he jumped the route, came almost came through on there, and you're seeing that confidence build. And yes, he was beaten by Tyree Kill. Uh, I think he was trying to jam Hill at the line, and he kind of whiffed on that, and that was kind of the beginning of the end for the Bills on that play. Uh, because if you whiff on jamming a, a player like Tyreek Hill, he's going to be able to get open pretty quickly. And he did. And it, uh, Tua put the ball right on him. Easy touchdown at the end of the day. But a lot of really good from Trey White's play. It might not have been the same catch with that Waddle deep ball. Uh, but I feel like there, I think it was where he got his hand up. And had it just been a normal catch, I think he would have broken the ball up. Waddle did such a good job of high pointing the ball that when Trey White put his arm up to try to bat it away, it was just out of his reach. Uh, so even on that play, I kind of liked the overall play that what he was trying to do in, in that moment. Uh, he's going to get beaten at times. It's going to take him some some more uh, in-game action to even come close to where he once was. I don't know if we'll see that come playoff time or whether it'll be 2023 in terms of maybe getting back to the, the true shades of the all-pro cornerback that the Bills once had. But there's a lot of good to take out of his his game today. I thought that when Kyrie Elam was on the field tonight, he made some good plays. Uh, I think, again, there was a play where he was supposed to jam, and he might have missed on that too, but more good than bad. Uh, I didn't notice J- Dane Jackson as much in this game. Uh, again, based on how much he's been beaten up by this fan base over the past few weeks, and and for some cases, rightfully so. Uh, I thought the starting corners fared pretty well, and or the top three, and then obviously Taron Johnson too. The biggest issue I had, Matt, in the secondary was the play of Demar Hamlin, and I don't know if you want to go there next, but uh, very worried about the safety play with Hamlin in the lineup. Yeah, and I think it, it, one of the questions that we kind of keep consistently seeing is where's Micah Hyde at, and how much is there a realistic possibility of him returning this season? And when I thought about this like six, seven weeks ago, I kept coming back to don't bother like rushing it back. Like Tamar Hamlin showed enough flashes to where you could take your time with that. And you don't have to put Micah Hyde in a, you know, a position to feel like he's got to come back as much as he wants to because neck injury, neck surgery in general, that's not something that you want to play around with. That's not something that you could just say, you know, you might not be all the way back on a leg, but if something happens with a leg, it's just different. Neck is like career ending potential stuff. And so I think that you have to be, you have to treat that whole situation with extra careful kid gloves and the way the bills operate on injuries, especially to their superstars, they're all all pros. I, in my gut, don't see a path back from Micah Hyde this year. And I don't want to like put a limit on him or say like, he can't make it back. It's not about that. It's just about weighing the benefits of coming back versus the long-term possibilities of the effects of a, another injury this season, you know, so close to that, that surgery. I mean, we're talking about September. If he were to come back, even in January, we're talking about less than six months. I mean, that's a kind of a scary timeline for me. So right. I, I don't necessarily see that happening. Hamlin, I think these are good moments for him. The problem I see for him more than anything is that the, the consistent problem is the angle he takes on some Terrible of his angles. 
on his attempts to make tackles. And so it's a, it was a problem with Jaquan Johnson, a big one. It's why I think he hasn't seen the field and they were eager to put Cam Lewis in, in the game a few weeks, a few months ago when he was kind of like uh, the goat in one of those games. And he almost was the goat again today mm. with a really, really untimely roughing the kicker uh, penalty on a punt. But yeah, DeMar Hamlin has a lot of things to clean up and it's looked better with Jordan Poyer back there. The bills now, by the way, side note, 10 and 0 with Jordan Poyer in the lineup, but there's still um, some real concerns with, Hamlin, and I'm wondering if we don't see, uh, to Scott Banker's point, Dean Marlowe at some point, and they just look to make a move. Now, I I think that they they like Demar Hamlin down the road, but this might be one of those opportunities, like in the short term, to maybe pull a young player back, let them reset a little bit, and work on some of those fundamentals that Sean McDermott's talking about, because some of the fundamentals right now with Hamlin not looking great. Yeah, that, the angle that he took on the Jalen Waddle touchdown was just egregious. Uh, it, took, it took no time at all for Waddle to get by him, blow by him at that and score an easy touchdown. You said it, though. There's been some good with his play. He forced a fumble last week against the Jets that the Bills recovered in a crucial moment. He's He's made some plays. I just feel like he's been very inconsistent at a spot where the Bills need Stable play does not have to be superstar play. Obviously, they would love to have Micah Hyde back because that is a level of superstar play. But they just need someone that's going to take good angles, that's going to uh, know their responsibilities, and maybe that is Dean Marlowe. What's concerning to me most, Matt, is maybe the Bills trusted their young depth too much at the trade deadline with that being Hamlin, Jaquan Johnson. I know they made the move for Marlowe, but... After the trade deadline passed, I remember Brandon Bean sitting there saying they had whittled their list down to about 10 different safeties, and they decided to go with Marlowe, and, and you know, I'm sure some of it was the cost-effective, uh, the, the, the price, so to speak. I think it was like a conditional seventh. It was a late pick, whatever it was. It didn't cost the Bills much, but who were those other nine guys? Were any of them people that could have stepped in? We'll never know. Brandon Bean's not going to just show us the list of other players he was looking at. Uh, but I feel like maybe some more due diligence for a more reliable starter uh, could have been done, should have been done. And now you probably have to ride out the, the wave with Hamlin or maybe give Marlowe a chance. Uh, whatever the case may be, obviously it's a significant drop off from what they once had with Mike Hyde. Yeah, and I think sometimes people view like players through rose-colored glasses, especially when you haven't seen them in a while. Like Dean Marlowe played, you know, some important snaps for them in relief of Poyer and Hyde at times. But I, I think people are remembering him as a little bit better of a player than than he actually was. And I think some of the challenges that you're going to face with him back there are the same as with Hamlin. And I think at times this year, like I remember, like maybe as as recently as like a month and a half ago, people just raving about Hamlin's aggressiveness, physicality, the way that he plays the game. And in a lot of ways, Ryan, like I think you have to almost treat his season this year as his rookie year. I know that is his second year, but he didn't play at all defensively last year. So right. a lot is on his plate. And I'm wondering how much we're sitting here at this stage and he might just be hitting a rookie wall. So maybe or some version of that, right? With all that he's been asked to do with Hyde out. It's nice having Micah Hyde as the coach. Jordan Poyer talked about it this week and, and how valuable that's been in the room. But there's still a lot, like even on the touchdown, when I think it was Trey White on the Tyreek Hill touchdown, 
Damar Hamlin, he's just, I, I watched that play in slow motion as it was happening. I'm like, it, it sends you back to the Patriots game in the playoffs last year when Hyde comes flying across the field to intercept that ball from Mac Jones. And obviously it was Mac Jones throwing the ball, but the point remains, Damar Hamlin was just a few steps behind and you can't be, you know, when you're playing that deep safety position, you have to be able to react quicker and get to the ball. You're not going to get to everyone, but knowing Tyreek Hill, you have to know when you see him break towards the end zone, you have to, ha- you just have to be on your horse. And I- I'm sure he was. And sometimes it's tough. A- and this does, in no way does this, do I want this to be the bash Damar Hamlin sh- uh, right. show? The Bills win. And, 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 you know, there's a lot to like from a second year, six round pick. But you're just seeing right now how, mo- how important Micah Hyde was to this whole operation, especially now with Von Miller out. Yeah, and it's no surprise that Micah Hyde was so important. Uh, he and Poyer came along in year one. Both of them have earned some all-pro nods since being on this Bills roster, Pro Bowl caliber players. Uh, and you're not just going to get a day three pick with limited experience to come in and play at that level. You're not going to be able to trade for a player of that caliber either at the trade deadline. So, you know, to my talking point, I would have liked to see them get someone maybe uh, a step above a Dean Marlowe, but they weren't going to be able to get a Micah Hyde caliber player, but th- they're clearly missing him and what he brought and how it allowed him and Poyer to move around, ma- use their instincts, make plays where maybe they're not able to do that as much just with Poyer back there. All right. Right now, uh, head over to valuehomecenters.com right on the main, main page and you can check out the Milwaukee Packout gift card promotion. Uh, it's a special promotion running right now at the website, uh, four days left, or actually today's the last day. Oh my gosh. My read is off. It's the last day, Sunday, December 18th. You have 22 hours bills. Mafia. If you're listening to this, even if you're listening to it and it's after the date, still head over to valuehomecenters.com. They got you, they got you covered with a bunch of deals. The weekly ad comes out, but, but all day today. You buy $199 in qualifying packout storage solutions and you get a $50 value gift card. Buy $299 in qualifying packout storage solutions, the Milwaukee products, get a $100 value gift card. Right now, valuehomecenters.com. Our toolsy Bills, players of the game, Ryan, who you got? It's the easy choice, but I have to give it to Josh Allen on, on a game like today where he puts up, he puts up almost 400 yards of total offense. Four touchdowns. He continued a streak of having at least two touch, uh, passing touchdowns in every game in his career against the Dolphins. It finished with four there. 77 yards on the ground, including just a massive run down the left sideline for 40-plus yards when the Bills needed it most. Uh, he was the reason they were able to pull out this 32-29 win. So I, I have to give it to the franchise quarterback. What about you, Matt? I mean, it's, it's really hard to give it to anybody but Josh Allen. But I'm going to go... Trey White, because I think that he he hmm. really helped the Bills get off the field at the most important play juncture of the game. And without that play, Tua completes that pass, they get a first down. Who knows where it goes from there? So I'm going to go with Trey White. I am going to also mention, though, I think Trey White got away with maybe like three holds today, pass interference calls that weren't called. But listen, great players in this league – Get calls. I mean, that's just the way that it works. I think Josh Allen probably got a call when he kind of dove out of out of bounds, uh, got the late hit. Yeah. Now you can't hit somebody out of out of bounds, so it, it, it's fair. Uh, I, I think. I think you make the argument that it's fair. But overall, I thought that the Bills got some calls in this game. 
offensive line play at times was was brutal. That's a, that's a side note. The penalties are just baffling. I mean, Roger Saffold, that dude's a vet, man. Like you can't have in these big games, Roger Saffold out of everybody, he's played more snaps than anybody else on that line, having the kind of mental errors that he had in that game. That's something that, you know, I think is an issue. Uh, Danderson's not, not happy with me. He told me to shut up. It's the Christmas season, Danderson. Like really, do you, you got to tell me to shut up like right at the end of the show? Come on, Danderson. And Adam Anderson. in the chat. Yes. I think Gabe Davis stepped up today. It's some big catches along the sideline. Uh, it wasn't like a, a gaudy performance, but four for 56 uh, on six targets. So, yeah, I, I, I had a look at the target part there, but I thought he had a very nice game as well and made some big key catches. I think there was a second and 17 situation where he got like a 15 yard pass uh, near the sideline. So, yes, he came up big when the Bills needed it. Uh, we've talked a lot about Davis's play this year. So, yes, a nice day for Gabe Davis as well. Danderson is upset that I'm telling on Trey White. So I apologize for that. Uh, I don't think that uh, NFL uh, referee committee is watching the shout podcast, but who knows? You know, a lot of people watch it. I hear great things. People like it. I've been told. So mm-hmm. right now, you know what else people like Ryan Talbot? Well, Probably I'm more than anything. The tops carry out cafe. Ooh, baby. I got a tweet in the middle of the game that somebody was enjoying a delicious, nutritious legendary tops breakfast pizza. Mm. You go over to the carry out cafe right now. You spend $20 bang. They're going to hit you with a legendary breakfast pizza, hot to go fresh, large season pepperoni pizza, $14 jumbo chicken wings, 10 count, $14 taco pizza logs, six count, seven sixty nine. baby back rib sections, five 99 a pound sub sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy Fan favorites. It is a whiteout in Orchard Park. I'm looking into the stadium right now. No, Walter. I was not one of the people throwing <laughs> snowballs. I was on Twitter telling people to chill out, and people were telling me that I was a party pooper. All right. Before we get out of here, let's talk about the snowballs because we haven't really touched on that in the show. Yeah. Josh Allen said after the game, like, and so did Sean McDermott, kind of like they kind of get it. Like they're at the he- they're at the f- game. They're having fun. But to me, the snowball fight comes after the game. The snowball throwing, all that kind of stuff. You got a parking lot full of snow. You got a stadium full of snow. When the game's over, why are you throwing it at the players? You came to watch the the football game and you're throwing snowballs. And I get it. There was a lot of people that were probably pretty lit up coming into the game. A lot of people tailgating probably since 8 a.m. A lot of people that hit the carryout cafe and had breakfast pizzas coming out of their ears. I understand people were dialed up, but like in the future, maybe just chill with the snowballs. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I I guess my counterpoint would be, what do you think is going to happen when you don't clear out the seats? Uh, There was a video pregame where Bill's fans are literally digging out their seats from the snow if you give Bills fans a giant pile of snow each, what do you think they're going to do with that in game? They're not just, they're not going to shovel it aside. They're going to get rid of it by any means necessary, including if that means throwing them onto the field, hitting some Dolphins players. Uh, Mike McDaniel said that they had some players getting hit with ice balls in the game. So, you know, uh, they were doing their best Josh Allen imitation, trying to hit the targets, and some of them were more successful than others. I don't condone them hitting Dolphins players with it, like you said, maybe celebrate after the game or just throw them up in the air to celebrate, not onto the field, because uh, that was a mess at one point. I'm really disappointed in Danderson. 
I, I, I've seen him commenting for years. It's always been really positive. Been a real downer today. So be better <laughs> next Danderson. All right, for Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino, and I'm just kidding, Danderson. We love you. Um, this is the Shout Buffalo Bills podcast after dark. We're getting out of here. We will see you this week. We got a we got a holiday week, Ryan. We got to put our heads together. A lot of uh, a lot of planning to come. Make sure you keep it locked onto the uh, YouTube channel. Hit the like button. Subscribe before you go. We'll see you guys all very soon. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Football Sunday. Get to watch the games. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. Hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.